0: This reading perhaps should be entitled, The Curious Incident of the Fig Tree, but um, here we go. Matthew 21, verses 18 to 22. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Good morning, everybody. Just got to do a bit of furniture rearrangement. Shall we pray as we come to this interesting bit of the Bible? Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can hear you speak as we read the Bible. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to teach us now. Thank you that you are present here. Uh, Lord, would you speak into our uh, deepest fears, our greatest hopes. Change us, we pray. And we ask this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Before this river becomes an ocean before you throw my heart back on the floor. Oh baby, I reconsider my foolish notion. Well, I need someone to hold me, but I'll wait for something more. Yes, I've got to have faith, a faith, a faith. I've got to have faith, a faith, a faith. Of course, Faith by George Michael, the exceptionally talented singer who obviously died not that long ago. It was one of those songs that formed the backdrop for my kind of childhood. And unfortunately, whenever I hear the word faith, I hear echoes of ting. Faith. What comes to your mind when you hear the word? What does it mean? And when it comes to praying, what does it mean for you to pray with faith? The chances are, whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, you've heard about praying with faith or people of faith. We talk of faith-filled praying. We talk of praying in the kind of faith that makes a difference. What do we mean? Or some of us, uh, when we hear the word faith, we feel something rising in our affections and our emotions. A sense of energy, a sense of going into battle to pray with confidence. Sort of growing raw that makes us pray loud and strong. Some of us, when we hear the word faith, look around the room and think, I wish I had faith like them, like so-and-so. Or I could never have their sort of faith as though faith is for other people and we just sort of muddle on without it or vague sort of hints of it. And others of us, frankly, when we think of faith, have a guilt, a burden, a sadness. We've prayed long for things, years, decades, some of us. We've prayed for the pain of which no medicine seems to deal with. We've prayed for those things we long for, And yet, they seem so absent. And we wonder, is it to do with our deficient, weak faith? And the idea of faith becomes another stick we just beat ourselves with. And for me, this became very real years ago when I was at university. When one of my flatmates, his girlfriend's sister, was dying Uh, And my flatmate and his girlfriend had sort of uh, developed, grown up in this sort of context where they believed that with the right amount of faith, they could get whatever they wanted. And so when I asked them, how can I pray for your sister? Their response was, we'd rather you pray for us that we would know what to pray because my prayers may not be quite enough. And so of course what happened, they prayed like Bilio for her to be healed and sadly she died. And so now not only did she have the overwhelming grief of losing her young sister, she had an overwhelming sense of guilt that it was her fault. That she hadn't prayed with, "quotes" enough faith. Well, if you tick any of those boxes, my hope is for you this morning, you will find real freedom. That as we think about what faith is, that you will find something lifting. Because I genuinely believe that there are some people who will leave this morning freer, with your head held slightly higher, with a sense of of joy that you've not known because of the guilt, the burden, the longing. And others of us here this morning, we are not sure whether we'd call ourselves people of faith. But I'm convinced some of us might leave this morning just a little bit different. We're going to have an opportunity to respond later on, giving what we thought as a lack of faith to God in faith. So here we go. What does it mean to have faith? That's the question we're going to answer. There's four things from this passage. And the first is this. Having faith is not about the strength of your belief. The passage that was read to us, as Andy had mentioned, is a curious, intriguing one, is it not? Even if you've never read the Bible before, it seems frankly a bit bizarre. It is only the only destructive miracle of Jesus. He basically zaps a fig tree. Devastating. Jesus is hungry, sees a fig tree that has no fruit on it, and curses it so that it won't bear fruit ever again. Boy, what's going on? Doesn't he like figs? Is he in a bad mood? I love this cartoon. Or as is so often the case, is there something else going on here? Something more than we initially get. And that Jesus is actually answering some very different questions to the one that we come with. And actually his answers to those questions radically change our questions. And we'll show that it's not about the strength of our faith at all. Now, it's important to understand the context to this. As we've said before, context is key. The background, the associate, what's going on. Because if you take a text, a Bible text, out of context, you are potentially left with a con. So be careful. And we need to understand wider what's going on here, what's happening at the time. And there's two different elements to that. There's the wider context in the Bible, and then there's the immediate context of what's happening in the verses before and after and so on. And the wider context is this. Fig trees in the Bible are quite important. All about the fruitlessness of the way they had been doing stuff. So for example, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17, we read this in which God through his prophets speaks to the leaders of the land, those who are the spiritual leaders supposed to be leading people in their relationship with God. And we read these words. How can you say we are wise for we have the law of the Lord when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely? The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped since they've rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? And so just a few verses later we read these words. I will take away their harvest, God says. There will be no grapes on the vine. There will be no figs on the tree and their leaves will wither. There will come a day, says God to his people, when these leaders who are frankly leading you astray and telling you it's all about your own religious duty, there will come a day when their fruitlessness will end. In the same way as a fig tree having no figs, this old model of faith. And so when we then come to Jesus walking past a fig tree, we have things buzzing in our minds. Jesus doesn't not like figs, if you can say that. He's saying something important about what people knew to be true, the prophecies that they knew were happening, and how he changes all of that. And so as you look at your Bible, if you have it in front of you, if not at home, the wider passage, chapter 21 and beyond in Matthew, you've got people accepting Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, asking, who is this? You've got Jesus overturning the tables in the temple and saying to the leaders, you are making my house a den of robbers. Then you've got Jesus' authority being questioned. By what authority do you do this? And then you've got this environment where Jesus says, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes will enter the kingdom of God ahead of you, leaders. And then this amazing passage of a story of a man planting a vineyard, giving it to some farmers who abuse it, sending his representatives into this vineyard that should be fruitful, seeing no fruit. They get rid of the servants and ultimately he sends his son to try and rescue this vineyard. And what do they do? Kill him. Do you see what's happening? The fig tree, friends, is all about people being distorted and twisted away from God's rescue mission by the leaders of that day. This passage is not about us at all, it's about Jesus. Jesus is saying the old way of doing things is dead. There's no fruit there. His way's different. And so too for us. The same is true for faith and prayer. It is not the quality of our faith that counts, it's about who our faith is in that counts. Let me give you an illustration with this chair. Now we can have two imaginary fictional people who are looking at this chair. Person number one can have real confidence. That chair is gonna take my weight. Yep, I've sat on that chair a million times before. Yep, I'm absolutely confident that's a really good chair. They can even speak it really loudly. Yeah, that chair can take my weight. Person two can be a little bit timid. I'm not really sure whether that chair will take my weight. Frankly, I've never sat down on a chair, not on that one, and I'm not really sure at all. It doesn't look that stable. I, all my mind and my learning, I just don't know. One seems uber confident, one seems uber unconfident. Faith is none of that. Faith is just doing this. Regardless of how loudly, confidently you sit down, faith is sitting. Sitting. And of course, the reality is this, where's the real strength? Well, it's not in the person sitting down at all, it's in the chair. The chair takes the weight, and it's just the person, however confidently or not, who sits in it. Which is why one author wisely says, you are not saved because of the quality of your faith, you're saved because of the object of your faith. And Jesus makes this really clear elsewhere in Matthew's gospel. Look, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move. We've kind of twisted that and said, you can move mountains. And Jesus is saying, you can have tiny faith and do amazing things. It's not about the strength of your faith. Faith is not about sort of manufacturing confidence, giving the impression that we're convinced that something will happen. Ah. So, we can easily put on a mask, hiding our pain, our longing, our decades of prayer, and think that we've got the deficient faith. Who your faith is in is where the power is. And can I say, for some of us here this morning, this is immensely liberating and can change everything for you. Because even now, God, by His Spirit, may be just lifting away some of that guilt that burden to realize it's not about you and your deficient faith, power is in Christ. And so what then does faith look like? Well, having faith is simply having the confidence to ask. Confidence to ask. Look at verse 22 in the passage that was read, Matthew 21. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer It's a tricky bit at the end of the passage, that, isn't it? Let's be honest, that is quite interesting words. Many of us who've been Christians for many years look at that and go, gulp. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What does Jesus actually mean? And we try and excuse it away with some sort of textual gymnastics. Or maybe something else is going on. In the book of James, we read these words, you do not have because you do not ask God. James is simply saying, you don't get because you don't ask. And for some of us here this morning, faith is simply about rising up to have the courage to ask, literally to have the courage to sit down again. The courage to ask even after decades of asking. And I think this speaks into a huge issue in our culture and dare I say it in British culture and certainly in my generation. And that's the issue of cynicism and it's a huge issue many of our generation my generation have grown up being sold a bill of lies we know they're lies we don't like the hot sell we know everybody tries to sell stuff and so we always see through it false claims we will see through immediately just about fake news stuff there are the moments We've grown up with promises of love from our parents' generation, but then seen a selfishness that leaves us fending on our own. We've grown up with promises of working hard, earn enough money for your own happiness, and we've seen it destroy, destroy people. We've grown up with promises of fulfillment in relationships, thinking that if we find the one, wow, roses and music all the time, in the words of Jerry Maguire, that that person will complete me, and it leaves us empty and longing for another relationship. We've grown up with promises of politicians acting on our behalf and discover they weren't doing that at all. So therefore, what leads us, we can only trust in ourselves. And so we have a cynical approach to things of faith. And good questions are important, but that applies to faith to the point we hear stories of life change and we say, yeah, but. And so we simply stop asking. This passage confronts that, I think, as one author, Paul Miller, says, cynicism protects you from crushing disappointment, but it paralyzes you from doing anything. I don't know if you may know the story of George Muller. George Muller, uh, in the 19th century, set up lots of orphanages. He was a Christian guy, set up lots of orphanages. And uh, looking after all these kids in a world where no welfare state and all of that. And one morning, a famous, famous story. They had no bread, nothing for breakfast. And ordinarily, as an orphanage did in the Victorian era, if you imagine, they all sat down in rows and they were asking, What are we going to do? We literally have nothing. And George Muller famously said, We still will sit down and say thank you to God for our breakfast. And so there they were, these children sitting on rows with them praying this prayer, Lord, thank you for what we're about to receive. And as that happened, a knock on the door, a baker's, I was going to say a baker's lorry, it wouldn't have been a lorry in those days, baker's cart had broken down and toppled over right by the orphanage, all the bread tumbling all over the road, <laughs> to the point that he knew that they couldn't sell some of them again, and so they simply gave the bread to the orphanage, amazing story, And some of us this morning, can I say, we have prayed long and I want to say there's something rising in you that you say, I want to ask again with boldness a new confidence. Faith is simply having confidence to ask. So it's not about the strength of your belief. It's It's simply having the confidence to ask. But thirdly from this passage, Having faith is simply having the humility to trust. Because here's the question, that's great, but what happens when we don't see those answers we long for? What happens then? Do you remember in that verse from the book of James we read earlier, let me read you the wider bit. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's clear that what James is saying is you don't always get what you want. There's something else going on. And so, for some of us, if we're honest, that's true. We can treat God as our own sort of personal vending machine. <laughs> you know, pray the right sort of prayer, the coin will drop down, and we can choose whatever we want. Bingo! Having faith, though, is far more than that, isn't it? If it is about Jesus and not about us, and if it is about simply asking the one who has come to rescue us, we can trust in the one who does act, and therefore trust him with the reasons why he acts in a certain way, even if that action is not the answer that we would want. Let me give two examples of this in the Bible. First is this, Jesus himself, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. That is a supreme prayer of faith. Why? Because he's not saying, take this cup from me, it's gone, yeah. He's trusting in the one who can answer that prayer. Yet not my will, but yours. And so if you don't take this from me, God, I trust that there is something else going on. Father, and then, of course, as they were looking at earlier this morning, that amazing story in Daniel, which we're going to be looking at in the upcoming series, by the way. You'll see in your Outlook a new series we start next Sunday called Homeless, all about the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at this, but just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit, that amazing encounter where, where God's people who are in exile are told to bow down to this amazing statue of Nebuchadnezzar, and they refuse to bow down, so they're kind of put before with a threat of being put in this burning furnace. And we have these words. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Yeah. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. That's a supreme prayer of faith because it's saying God, I have confidence in my God to act I have confidence that he is powerful that he can do amazing things he's the God of the miraculous I trust him and even if he doesn't do what I want I'll still trust him that's a prayer of supreme faith because prayer is simply having the humility to trust in the one who answers our prayer I remember I've said it before, I'll say it again. Some dear friends of ours who had a history of haemophilia in the family, their 20 year old son contracting HIV AIDS back, kind of back in the day uh, and them pouring out their hearts, praying for this son who was a passionate Christian that he would be healed and that this story would be told for how God had amazingly healed him and therefore loads of people would want to know Jesus. And he died. And I've talked with his father and asked him, What does that do to your faith? And his response is beautiful through tear filled eyes I don't know, but I do know that God is good. That's faith. That's faith. And there's this beautiful description, which is the supreme prayer of faith, that we're going to pray in a moment. In Mark's Gospel, where we read about this father whose son is in desperate need of healing. And he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, says Jesus, everything's possible for one who believes. And we read these words in Mark chapter nine. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That's a profound prayer. Sometimes for some of us, the greatest prayer to pray is, Lord I have faith, please help me overcome my lack of faith. I do believe, please help me overcome my unbelief. That prayer of simple humility, simple trust, is the most profound prayer of faith. And can I say, that exudes something really beautiful. So it's having the humility to trust. And then finally, having faith is about relationship, not rights anyway. And we returned to where we started. In Matthew's gospel, we're encouraged to look to the mountain mover, not to the mountains. And for some of us, prayer, if we're honest, is about getting God's stuff, not God. And maybe, just maybe, prayer is more about that relationship with God, the one who is God, even over your circumstances, rather than our own, what we think of as rights. And so therefore, we can pray with faith. Faith. However strong, however weak. However confident or however unconfident. We can pray because ultimately it's about the one who can answer not about us at all and so here's where we're going to end we're going to end by praying this prayer together and i would guess in the room right now there are some of us who we have prayed long for things and to be honest some of us have stopped praying because it hurts too much or some of us kind of used to pray with passion and vigor but now it's sort of ebbed away and this morning we've, we've, as it were, felt our chin just slightly lifting with a newfound confidence to ask again. For others of us right now, there are you come to church and you look at other people's faith and think, I wish, I wish, my lack of faith seems so tiny, or whatever. And this morning you've been encouraged that actually even faith is tiny as a mustard seed. Whether or not you have all the answers is faith that is profound. And we're gonna invite you to pray this. Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And there may be just one or two people this morning who you've come with friends. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian or you're a person of faith. You'd say to friends, I wish I had your faith, but I don't. And even this morning, you've had your mindset slightly shifted and we're gonna invite you to pray that. So can I invite us to stand? Please stand if you're able to. And as the band come up, they're going to start playing. And I'm going to leave those words on the screen. I want you to, us all to bring something to mind. It may be a circumstance. It may be our own relationship with God. It may be our own uh, kind of just being overwhelmed with stuff. And I'm going to ask us to do something brave. It's maybe familiar to some of us, but if not for others. I'm going to ask us to simply hold open our hands in front of us. And in that, as it were, symbolic act, what we're simply doing is saying to God, I'm here for you, Lord. And I think that for some of us, this will be pretty big because we will be offering up things that we know consume us. And to say, Lord, I do believe, please help me overcome my unbelief is huge. And for others of us, we're not even sure there is a God. (laughs) But why not try? So what we're going to simply do is Have a moment just as the band play for a few minutes of of just peace. And then I'm gonna invite us to pray this out loud together three times. Will you join me in that? So let's be still as the band play for just a few moments and then we'll pray this together out loud. questions, with all our doubts, with all our uncertainties, shall we pray this together three times out loud? Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, would we leave this morning trusting more in you and less in us. The God who stepped in to rescue us. What amazing love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to respond together as the band lead us and then there's an opportunity as we do so, as we sing.